Gangary the Podcast is made possible by the Ashland University Journalism and Digital Media Department. As Ohio's only converged media program, Ashland JDM is training tomorrow's journalists and media creators for media careers in the 21st century. For more information, visit Ashland University's Journalism and Digital Media Department online at ashland.edu slash JDM. Or head to the JDM blog at ashlandmedia.blogspot.com. Welcome to Gangry the Podcast. I'm Matt Tullis. Before we get started, I wanted to let you know about something that's going to be going on here at Ashland University at the end of May. The River Teeth Nonfiction Conference will be going on here on campus May 29th through the 31st. It's going to feature Cheryl Strayed, author of the New York Times bestselling memoir Wild, and Gerald Walker, who wrote the book Street Shadows, a memoir of race, rebellion, and redemption. That book won the Penn, New England, and L.L. Winship Award for nonfiction. Of course, there's going to be a lot of other great speakers on hand uh, at the conference. It's a, it's a phenomenal conference. I can't recommend it enough. If you'd like to find out more about it, go to www.riverteethjournal.com conference. You can register online. You can find out who the other speakers are. I would really recommend checking it out. Now, on with the show. This week on Gangry the Podcast, I talk with Brandon Sneed. Sneed wrote the book Beyond the Drive, a story of passion, dreams, demons, and Highway 55, the world's next favorite burger joint. The book is a collaborative effort with Kenny Moore, the man who started the popular restaurant in North Carolina and has since watched it grow to worldwide fame. Despite his youth, this is Sneed's second book. His first was titled Edge of Legend, An Incredible Story of Faith in Basketball. That book was about a dominant Division II basketball player. Sneed writes often about sports and has also written for publications like GQ, ESPN the Magazine, Pacific Standard, Outside, and SB Nation Longform. His story, The Prospect, was noted in Best American Sports Writing 2014. As usual, we've linked to many of Sneed's stories and his own website at gangrythepodcast.com. Thanks for joining Gangry the Podcast, Brandon. Yeah, yeah. Thanks for having me. This is I'm excited. To start things off, can you talk about the book Behind the Drive? Uh, kind of talk a little bit about what it's about. Yeah, so it's about uh, this guy named Kenny Moore. Grew up just poor, destitute, all that stuff. I mean, they could pay the bills, but they didn't have a whole lot left over, that sort of thing growing up. He just always had to work and fight for everything he had all his life. And so he went in wanting to build this empire. And it became what's now Highway 55, Burger Shakes and Fries, which for about 20 years was only found in North Carolina. Um, he thought that's where he'd stay. They had about 100 restaurants here. It's super famous in North Carolina. Um, but then a few years ago, he decided to start expanding outside the state. Uh, it was started as Andy's Cheesesteaks and Cheeseburgers, and he changed the name when he started going outside the state because they were into a federal trademark issue. And... Um, since then, they've sold the rights to a thousand stores around the world. Uh, they're in Abu Dhabi. They're in Canada. Um, they've got stores that are going to be opening in Denmark, and they're all over the eastern side of the United States and getting into Texas now. And Franchise Business Review just named them the best food and dining chain in the country. And um, so they're they're doing big things. And all that actually arose out of him having this gigantic battle with his bank at the time. About, it started about six years ago, and he almost lost everything over the course of that process. And um, so it's all about chasing you know, the American dream, quote-unquote, and how he sort of realized it doesn't look quite how we've been sort of told it's supposed to look, but 
he found a way anyway and then had to, you know, fight really, really hard to save it once he built it. And um, that's that's it in a nutshell. If you have more specific questions, you know, yeah, fire away. You, yeah. you, mentioned, uh, you mentioned Abu Dhabi uh, as one of the locations <laughs> that, that, that his restaurant is now. That's actually where you where the book opens. Um, yeah. Can you talk about why you kind of settled on that as being this is where the the story needs to start? Um, well, I tried about 20 different openings. Uh, I just always write way more than I probably need to, but it's because I'm kind of OCD. And um, mainly just to show, and it, it, it did a few different things, really. Um, first, it showed, you know, where he is now, that he's somebody, you know, who's very successful and is maybe worth, you know, listening to. But also, over the course of that chapter, you know, it, it reveals he had to overcome a pretty serious fear of flying, uh, debilitating fear of flying to actually just go over there, which... You know, work nicely is a metaphor for a lot of other stuff that sort of unfolds over the book. Um, and, you know, it was also just to, it was a fun little just reveal, you know, you start out thinking he's maybe who knows where, and then you find out that he's halfway around the world, um, the way it kind of ended up being structured. So that was fun. Um, and then, yeah, just to show, I mean, he's a Eastern North Carolina guy, which is just uh, kind of known for being pretty conservative. And then he's in business with, uh, you know, Muslim businessmen across the world. Uh, so I just thought it did a lot of interesting stuff and was a nice way to sort of give a sense of who this guy was, this crazy character who's still dealing with a lot of stuff, even though he's 50-something years old and very successful. So, yeah. How long ago did Andy's change to uh – to Highway 55 because I remember Andy's when I lived in North Carolina, but I don't remember nice. Highway 55. So, it, uh, I really should know the exact year, uh, but it, it wasn't long ago. It was maybe, I want to say maybe three years ago, uh, maybe four. Whenever it, they had to change it to start going outside the state, uh, it wasn't. It wasn't long ago though. Some people, I, I still have my wife and I. Before I even start working on this book, we would order Andy's uh, takeout. You know once every week, maybe two weeks, something like that. And I still have it in my phone, two different uh, locations still as Andy's in my phone, even though I've written a book about it. So that tells you, I mean, that's still what it, I mean, people call it that all the time around here anyway. But yeah. Uh, can you talk a little bit about how the book came about, kind of what its Genesis story was, I guess? Um, kind of a unique project, I think. And I was wondering how, how did it get started? Yeah, so I met with... Kenny in October of 2013 um, was sort of looking for my next book project, uh, really just wanted to start working on another book and ended up getting in touch with uh, the Highway 55 uh, Chief Operating Officer, Neil Dennis. And we talked a little bit on email and he set a meeting and I went in and met with Kenny and just sort of talked about it and really just kind of went from there and we started working on it in uh, January of last year. And from there it was just, I did... The way we set it up was, you know, I just asked him, you know, how do you want to, how do you want this to happen? Do you want to write it and want me to work with you on it? What do you want to do? And then he asked me what I thought we should do. And I told him, I mean, frankly, you know, since this is a collaborative project, I understand you want to have, you know, your editorial control and all that. And I certainly appreciate that. And it's a story I really wanted to tell just from talking to him. I could tell it was going to be really good. But he asked me, what do you want to do? And I said, if I had it my way, I would just basically go at this same as I would any other journalism project, you know, interview you, interview a million people who know you and ended up being over 300 and just really tell the real story, whatever the real honest story is. And I think those make for the best stories and the best books. And he was all for it, which I didn't know whether to expect that going in, you know, being in journalism, you know, a lot of times you run across characters who are away, uh, you know, just wanting to really control every aspect of the story and all that. And he was, 
he was the opposite, even though he was, uh, you know, technically collaborating with me on it. So I basically just spent six months researching it and then a lot of time writing it and um, going back and forth. And I sent him a few different drafts and he would give me his notes, but really he just kind of let me do what I thought was best, what me and my editor thought were best. And, you know, my hat's off to him for that. It was a very, it was a really brave move on his part. And I really, really appreciated that and respected him way more for it. It was just really refreshing and awesome just to work with somebody like that. I I really, I was going to ask about that uh, uh, also, because it seems like, um, especially a lot of profile, these kind of biographies in a way of major business leaders, the the person who is being written about is going to exert a lot of control over how they're written about. And that Mm -hmm. didn't seem to be the case here at all. Yeah. I mean, there were certainly things we talked about, some things that ended up just being unnecessary to the overall story that, you know, which I got just because they might've hurt somebody without needing to. So, I mean, I'm not going to act like it was none of that. I mean, there was some, but he was never adamant. He was never you know, demanding. It was always, let's have a conversation, let's figure out the best thing to do here. And that was incredible. Um, it was really, and it, you know, if, if everybody who was ever written about by a journalist had that sort of attitude, I think everybody would be a lot happier with how stories end up going because it's just a very honest relationship. And that just, you know, always makes for stories like, hey, here's what we're getting into. And let's make this something that people are going to really remember instead of, like you said, I mean, especially business books. You know, people just, it, you read a lot of business books, they're just, yeah, they're fine, they get the point across, but they're kind of boring. And, you know, that's what he was very much from the start. I was like, we don't want this to be boring, you know. And uh, it ended up, he had this incredible story that he was just very open about. So, Were you uh, surprised with how open he was about everything in his life? Um. Yeah, at first, because like I said, I mean, he's the CEO of this explosive company. Uh, so you just never, you know, and I just, frankly, I'd never worked with anybody like that. Uh, you know, athletes, sure. Um, and, you know, some of them are more open than others, but I just didn't know. I'd never been much in the business world. And, um, but he was, I tell people, I think he's probably ruined me for future, you know, collaborators. I just have no idea if anybody else will be quite like that. If they will be, you know, if they'll be. I'll be honest like that, they'll get a pretty good book out of it, I think. But yeah, but all that said, after spending just a little bit of time with him, it wasn't as surprising as you get to know him. He's, you know, he's, he's an extremely open, raw, just kind of real sort of person. And so once I got to know him, it wasn't as surprising. But at first, yeah, it was in a good way, but it was kind of shocking. So, yeah. Is there one story that sticks out in your mind that maybe he told you that you're like, oh my gosh, I can't believe. I've got a subject telling me this story, especially a subject of his stature, I guess. Yeah. I mean, there are a lot that were probably kind of surprising, um, but God, if I had to pick just one, I mean, uh, what is one? Uh, I mean, the fear of flying one, I mean, just how, you know, it wasn't like, oh, I had this fear and I overcame it. Is he, you know, goes into detail about how much of a sissy he was basically about flying. And then, you know, what it took for him to overcome that and then just how, you know, he went in there just completely, he didn't have a drink in the airport before he got on the plane. He didn't take any sort of Xanax or anything like that. He's like, I want to do it. I want to do it. You know, it's just all hardcore about it. And so, yeah, but as far as any one particular story, um, here's one. Uh, When he was going through a lot of his uh, drama with the bank, um, you know, he was like this in several situations. This one sort of uh, illustrates it is. He has this, you know, moment and a meeting with them where he just loses his mind, which he was very prone to do throughout the course of most of his life, uh, which is a big part of it. And so, and he's he goes on and he tells me about how he's cussed them all out, and and, and he slams the door on him and he 
chases him out of the office and his employees are having to hold him back so he doesn't get assault charges. And it's just it's crazy. I'm like, you're the CEO of a franchise. You're, you're franchising all over the world. Is this what you want people to know happened and that sort of thing? You know, we talked about it jokingly afterwards, but he was fine with it. I mean, because one, he's not like that now. He's learned how to sort of control that. And so he sees it, actually, he sees the value in sharing that with the world so that other people can say, hey, you know, if I'm this crazy right now, I don't have to be forever. And I think that that's something very valuable. And he, there are several stories in the book like that with him just losing his mind over nothing. One time he just kicked his whole office staff out, told him to get the F out. And, you know, I'm tired of you guys slacking on me today. And then he realizes that was terrible. And he goes and apologizes to him the next day. And the way he would part ways with employees who would leave him, he would take it incredibly personally and cuss them out for no reason. And then feel like a jerk and have to go apologize. And so there were several times like that, that he's just telling me. And it got to the point where I was like, I would go to other people and be like, is he exaggerating this? Is he actually like that? Oh, dude, you have no idea. It was just terrifying half the time being around this guy. Um, but again, it's something that he learned how to get control of. And so that's a little bit different than if he had done that, you know, yesterday, I guess. So, but yeah, I was really impressed with that, that he could share that. Cause that's very personal, very important business stuff. It's not just personal families. This is how he handled business in the past. So, I'm rambling, but yeah. Um, there's a there's a paragraph, maybe maybe two paragraphs. I can't remember exactly. Um, towards the beginning of the book, where you talk about the F word, but in the book, the F <laughs> yeah. word is fuzz, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. Can you talk about that part where you explain why you're using fuzz instead of the actual F word? Yeah, that was one of the hardest decisions to make writing wise because I wanted to keep the F word in throughout. And it was until really one of the final drafts. But I did a I did a search in whatever Microsoft Word, and it was in there at least fifty times. It might have been seventy. And we're like, all right, because there's there's a uh, Christian element to it, especially towards the end of the book. And we actually just this morning had a Christian business speaking engagement, and so there was that. We're like, all right, well, because I'm really and you know, this was almost adolescent. In, in my heart or whatever. I, I, it drives me crazy that words like that offended other people so much, but I had to just sort of realize, but it does and it's okay. And so we don't want to be offending all of them. And we knew that his audience would be, you know, that. And then also we want this to be something that kids can read. Um, Cause for all the, you know, maybe adult uh, themes and business stuff going on, it's just a really good story that especially like a 12 or 13 year old, somebody like that could pick up and say, Hey, maybe I could do this. Uh, we just didn't want to, you know, alienate people based off of a word. And I was like, but I don't, I hate the like F dash whatever. And so I was like, well, we got to come up with some way. And then my editor suggested just having fun with it and uh, played with a few other options. And fun is just makes me laugh and sounds kind of like it. So we just kind of went with it. When, uh, can you talk about like the first time you met with Kenny and kind of how that even came about? Um, how much did you know about his story going in? Uh, what made you think? there might be a book there because you said you were looking for another book t to do. Mm -hmm. um, what, what made you think maybe, maybe there's something here I should explore? Really just the emails with Neil Dennis, the COO, COO. We just emailed back and forth a couple times and he said, yeah, he's got an inspirational story when he played, you know, he started off with saying, you know, he played some college baseball like you did and he, you know, you guys seem like similar people and it might be something that, would actually really work and just come in and meet and you guys can talk. And so I went in to meet with him and it was funny. I, I don't, I don't like wearing nice clothes. I mean, I wear jeans and a V-neck and a sport coat. That's kind of my uniform, I guess. 
And I put on, you know, I, I still wore jeans, but they're like my nice jeans. Uh, but I put on a tie and a shirt and a sweater went in there. It's like I meet with a CEO and I get in there and he's wearing jeans and a T-shirt. And that's what he wears all the time. Uh, he's, so that was funny. And that was a nice, yeah, it kind of showed me just right away that I thought we would get along pretty well. Because he's just, he's not a pretentious guy at all. He's not. He's just very not full of himself. I mean, he, he can get to talking now. Don't get me wrong. Kenny, Kenny's a, he loves telling stories. But he, yeah, he was just, uh, so just from the first 10 minutes, I, it seemed like a good relationship that would work out. And then uh, just as we got to talking, we probably talked for an hour or more that first day. And just kind of he gave me the bare bones of his story. And I could tell there, I mean, you know, once you, once you get to talking to somebody and hearing their story, you can kind of tell if there's more to it. And it definitely seemed like that. And so it just kind of went from there. Were his people looking for somebody to come and write a book about him, or was this something that was maybe more organic and that you reached out to his company and said, hey, here I am? Uh, can you talk a, a little bit about that? I think it was, yeah, I think it was a little bit of both, because uh, they said that it is something they'd been thinking about, um, especially with, you know, the franchising. I mean, originally, it just they looked at it originally as just sort of, oh, this might be good marketing maybe it would be a good idea is kind of what they told me when I went in but as we got into it we realized no this is a this is a very it would be useful to them yeah but it would be very useful to a lot of other people and that's what really kind of pushed it over the top and um so yeah I think it was a little bit of both how much time did you end up spending with him uh interviewing him maybe shadowing him uh in terms of uh doing the reporting that you needed to do to to write the book Oh, a ton. I, I have no idea, but just a ton. I mean, I met with him for the first, probably the first six months. I met with him every Thursday, which was, was about an hour and 15 minute drive from my office. So I went there every Thursday and we would spend the day together if need be. Sometimes it'd be just an hour or two, but a lot of times it was three, four hours. And talking with him for a lot of that time and then talking with a lot of his office staff, um, you know, I'd, I shouted him on one of their what they call discovery days, which is when they go to Raleigh and then come back to the office and just as they show potential franchisees their whole operation and that took a whole day. Did that at least once. Uh, so I was, you know, spent a lot of time with him, but I also spent a ton of time with other people that knew him. Um, I went to Newport where he grew up in Moorhead City, that area, uh, or near the coast of North Carolina. I met with all of his old high school coaches that were still around and friends who knew him and that sort of thing. And I actually drove my favorite part of the story as far as how I reported it is going to the mountains of uh, Galax where the roads become gravel roads that become just dirt trails. And I was in my Camry trying to get up this mountain to see his parents who are very strange people. Uh, when I got there, they just, I mean, it took me about five or six hours to get there and I get there and, you know, they're just, all right, so what do you want to do? And um, we just sat in there and talked for a while. They didn't have any food in the house. We were an hour from a restaurant or anything and I was starving and it was just, it was a very odd, one of the strangest interviews ever. Uh, so, but yeah, so I mean, I, I, I mean, I meant it. Like I told him I wanted to report this like a book that I was just doing as a journalist and that's really what I did and it was awesome. So those were his parents. Did he like maybe warn you that you're going into or I mean he told me it was in the mountains that they're as far from civilization as possible um I just I, I guess I didn't take it to heart kind of take a Camry up there and I mean lost cell service I was like my Camry is definitely going to slide off the edge of this mountain and nobody's ever going to find me again that's how it felt did you um did you learn anything uh while working on this book and and by anything I mean maybe about writing or about reporting or really like anything as far as writing and reporting especially reporting it was just really like i said it was really reassuring that 
to know because I just kind of had a string of bad, some of the stories I've been working on. I was frankly I was getting a little bit jaded with journalism um, between sources, basically just lying constantly uh, or just misremembering. People's memories are incredibly flawed, and a lot of people are waiting to end their memories of things. And then when you say, "But this guy said this happened," and then this document says this is what actually happened, they just get you know almost irrationally angry, and, and that had happened several times, and I. So I was getting a little tired of that, and then with um, it was, and then with people just not being super cooperative, people like I said wanting to dictate the narrative the whole step of the way, and I was just getting tired of it. So it was going to be the constant, and and I guess it was just a, a bad luck now looking back on it, but because I'm having a great experience on a story now, but at the time I was just not into journalism in general, and uh, and he just. It, Every step of the way, he was open, and I, I kept waiting for the other foot to drop. I kept waiting for him to change his mind, especially once he started reading the drafts. I kept waiting for him to say, oh, we need to redo this whole thing, whatever. But he was great the whole time, and I needed that, I think, as a writing analyst, is just to believe. That it just kind of – I hadn't really thought about it since you asked me, but now I realize it really just kind of helped me believe in people and get honest stories again in a way, uh, which is really cool. I would imagine that would be the first time you sent him a draft would have been – the most nerve-wracking experience ever. Yeah, it was not, it was, yeah, <laughs> it was not awesome. Um, yeah, because I, I, mean, I sent it, and then he was great, though, because he read it right away. We went in, I met with him, and the first thing out of his mouth, I mean, because there were problems with it. I mean, it was the first, it was, I knew there would be problems with it, and you just never know, especially with non, I don't mean this in a negative way like it might sound, but people who just don't write, when they look at something you've written, especially something rough, it was extremely nerve because he wasn't an editor, so he doesn't see you know the rough drafts all the time and stuff. I just was really worried he was going to read it and wonder what he decided to do with his life and this, this kid he had working on this story with him and all that. But no, the first thing out of his mouth when he sat down, he brought all those people into the conference room. The first thing out of his mouth was, it's a great read, which it wasn't. It was, you know, it was, it was an acceptable read. Uh, and then, you know, they had like five pages of notes, which was great. I was excited. Like, I, that was better to me than him saying, we like it. Like, they, they said, all right, this is great. It's clearly headed the right direction. Now, here are the things that we think can be improved. And then it was just, and there was great. I mean, it was just, it was incredibly cooperative the whole way. And I couldn't have asked for them to be better about it. Are you, um, you, you mentioned you, you did an event this, mor uh, this morning, this morning being uh, Wednesday, March 18th. Yeah. Uh, you did an event this morning together. Are you doing like um, publicity together for the book, or, or what are you doing? Kind of uh, uh, aside from Gangry the podcast to, to let people know yeah. about the book. We're um, I mean Saturday night, uh, whatever day that is. Uh, my brain's not functioning fully right now. But Saturday night we had you know we, they called it the big book launch party in Mount Olive, North Carolina, which is where their corporate office is based, which is where he met his wife and where she's from and. That's where he went to college uh, for half his college, and um, the store there plays this critical role in the book's narrative and all that stuff. And so we had the big launch party there, and um, so we did that together. We both spoke a little bit and then just kind of hung out for a couple hours with about 100, 150 people that showed up, and a bunch of his old baseball buddies came into town for it, and that was cool. And so we did that, and then, yeah, we did this thing this morning where he spoke at a, uh, at a business, uh, business lunch, and about 100, 150 people showed up to that, and then we both, you know, just... You know, we had somebody selling books afterwards, and we both were signing and just talking to people, and that was cool. And then we're going on, um, I don't know if you remember from your days in North Carolina, but the John Boy and Billy show, the radio show, do you remember them? Yeah, it's some yeah. big 17-state radio show um, that we're going to go on together next week, and that'll be fun. And then we're working on lining up other speaking type stuff um, from there. Yeah. Mostly in North Carolina or elsewhere? Yeah, we're going to start 
Uh, we're going to start in North Carolina in this area as much as we can the first, probably the first month or so, and then just sort of go from there. Because people around here know it. There's avid Highway 55 fans, and then we're just sort of going to sort of go from there. The marketing is going to probably be a very grassroots type of thing, uh, especially in the beginning. Um, but yeah, yeah, I mean, we're doing a lot together, and we're doing a bunch, you know, so we're just kind of doing whatever we can think of that we can get people to say yes to, <laughs> basically. Well, maybe you can get down to see some of my friends in Wilmington. So I know we spent some time there, just yeah. missed each other, but uh, yeah. So, uh, well, we're going to take a short break. Uh, we've been talking with Brandon Sneed, author of Behind the Drive: A Story of Passion, Dreams, Demons, and Highway 55, the world's next favorite burger joint. This is Ganger the podcast. Ashland University's Journalism and Digital Media Department is the only fully converged and integrated media program in Ohio. JDM majors apply converged skills in practical, hands-on labs using state-of-the-art hardware and software content creation tools. And they do it all alongside award-winning faculty who double as industry professionals. Recently chosen as Ohio's best non-daily student newspaper, the Collegian covers our campus and beyond. Ashland's 3,000-watt radio station, 88.9 WRDL, broadcasts local news, sports, talk, and today's best music to mid-Ohio and to the world on WRDLFM.com. Meanwhile, AUTV20 brings campus news, sports, and events to life in more than 12,000 homes. Ashland University's Journalism and Digital Media Department, creating converged digital media professionals for the 21st century. Find more information and apply today at ashland.edu slash JDM. This is Ganger the Podcast. I'm Matt Tullis. I'm talking with Brandon Sneed, who wrote the book Behind the Drive, which is about Kenny Moore, the founder of Highway 55, a chain of hamburger joints that started in North Carolina and is now spreading across the world. Brandon, I saw that uh, when you announced the book at a Highway 55 event, uh, you talked about why you write and one of the things you said was, I, I became a writer because I believe in the power of stories. Humans have been telling each other stories since the days cavemen chiseling, uh, since the days of cavemen chiseling dinosaurs on rocks. Um, can you talk a little bit about about that and, and how you maybe got started writing and kind of how you got to where, what you're doing now? Yeah, yeah. Um, writing, I mean, I, I grew up just loving reading. Um, and grew up, you know, with a Christian family and that was always studying the Bible. And so I was always in and out of church. And that's, you know, the Bible is just all about it. It's just full of stories. And so I turned, you know, as I started exploring, you know, just it started with exploring, you know, just other things outside of Christianity. And then it just evolved from there from wanting to learn about life on the whole. And I found the best ways that I ever learned anything were just from hearing somebody's story or reading somebody's story. And as far as writing my own, I always played around with writing as a kid. I always loved it. I always just, I don't know if I was any good at it, but I thought it was at the time, that whole deal. And just really just always loved trying to write. And then when I went to college, I actually went to college planning to, you know, become a baseball player and that whole thing. Um, and then that failed miserably. So I was a journalism major just because I didn't know what else to major in, that nothing else seemed like a good, seemed like fun and journalism seemed like fun. So um, just went into that and then just the type of personality I have when I set out to do something, I get kind of obsessed with it. And so I just really tried to be the best at that. And that's still kind of where I am now. Now I've thankfully eased off a little bit. I'm not, 
you know, I, I want to do good work, um, obviously, but you know, it's I've chilled out some. But now it's just that you know, I what I love learning from other people's stories. Now I love getting to hear people's stories, um, and then getting the chance to try to actually turn that into something other people will like to read is it's just a blast. So just kind of going with that so far. Where, where did you go to college? Barton College, a uh, little school in Wilson, North Carolina. What position did you play? I was a catcher, mostly. I tried a few other things when that wasn't going as well, but yeah, you could boil it down to catcher. <laughs> <laughs> was uh, was it a student newspaper at that college that you, you worked on as journalism major, or, or how did you kind of cut your teeth doing journalism? I had the best uh, advisor ever. His name is Rick Stewart. He was the head of the journalism department there at the time, which is actually just a mass communications department with a journalism concentration. And yeah, they had a little student paper that came out every two weeks. Um, so, uh, and he just basically, you know, I didn't do anything for it my freshman year. My sophomore year, he put me in, he made me the sports editor. And then my junior year, I was the managing editor. My senior year, I was editor in chief. And I just wrote as much whatever I felt like writing about, basically. But he also hired me at 20 years old to be the sports editor for his weekly newspaper in Kinley, a tiny town in North Carolina. Uh, and he actually owns four in that area. And he's an insane person. I, I still don't fully understand why he gave a 20-year-old that job. But that's, I mean, that's really where it was. He gave me a chance to make a lot of mistakes and get paid a little bit on the, on the way. And he, he, would, he would get into me when I, when I messed up, but he would always... You know, make sure I knew you, you could actually do this if you really want to. You know, you're screwing up a lot right now, but hopefully you'll screw up less in the future. And so just kind of from there, he's the one that really kind of gave me the confidence to give it a shot in the beginning. Yeah. Well, Highway 55 is not necessarily a sports book. You do other sports, right? You've done some sports writing. You've written for SB Nation long form, mm -hmm. uh, some other sports types of publications. Do you, do you like writing? Do you still like writing about sports? Yeah, I love it. I love it. Um, you know, and plan to for as you know as long as I can get people to pay me for it um but yeah I'm, I'm trying to you know also write, write stories that aren't just sports now um because again I just I love a great story uh Kenny's was a, a great step that direction I'm I'm poking around some other stuff right now um that I'm talking to some magazines about I don't know if they'll pan out but it's there are other stuff that have nothing to do with sports that are just really interesting people inter interesting stories um so yeah I love writing about sports but also love you know, writing about just people in general. Yeah. I've always found the best sports stories aren't necessarily sports stories. They're kind of stories yeah. about life that just happen to take place on or near a sporting field. I don't know. That's yeah. always been my thought. So I don't know if you yeah. feel the same way. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, I think that's, you know, I think that's why sports have been where I've been writing so much, uh, you know, the last few years because it, it's such a great barometer for kind of, you know, I'm not a fan, a huge fan of the term the human condition because it sounds way too precious or something. I don't know, but it, it is. It shows, I mean, it's a good way. It's a, I mean, it's a great barometer of how people are functioning as human beings, if they're how they're performing on the field and how they're handling that and all that, and whether it's on the field or some other sport or whatever. Uh, I mean, so yeah. I mean, that's, sports are just perfect kind of natural area for a good story. I think. This may be like an industry type question, but you you are essentially a free you're your own boss. You're a freelance writer. Yeah. Is it yeah. easier to sell sports stories than it is non sports stories? Have you found? Uh, so far for me, it has been just because I'm you know sports are what I've been most familiar with. Uh, you know, and I, and yeah, as I've tried pitching to general interest magazines and that sort of thing, it's 
Yeah, you just have to think about them a little bit differently. You have to find because sports, you always have that natural hook. If it's a bat, if it's an NBA player or uh, a major league baseball player, whoever, it's always all right. This is attached to this sport. Our readers will probably click on it or pick it up because it's about somebody in this sport who they recognize immediately. And now let's just find if it's a if it's worth pursuing for two or three or four or however many thousand words. Mm-hmm. And in general interest, it's very different, at least as far as I've found in that you have to find you know some sort of hook that's going to resonate with your editor and his boss and then with general readers it's not because you don't have that immediate connection with oh it's football or it's whatever you have to find that connection and that's that's been challenging so far and i can't say i've had a great deal of success with it other than this book Uh, but like i said i got a few other things kicking around that are promising i don't know you know it's you know how it goes. Sometimes it works out. Sometimes it doesn't. But yeah, it's been it's been fun to learn though. It's been really fun to just explore that. Uh, Behind the Drive is your second book. Um, your first fo- your first book was The Edge of Legend, and that was a sports kind of related mm-hmm. uh, project. Can you talk about that book? Yeah, so The Edge of Legend. It's it's based around Barton College, uh, my alma mater. They in two thousand seven. Um, they won the NCAA Division II basketball national championship in just ridiculous fashion. A uh, guy, Anthony Atkinson, scored seven points in the last forty-five last forty-five seconds to um, you know finish off a comeback. He did it all single-handedly. It was against an undefeated team that was a unanimous number one the whole season, um, and so that was you know and that blew him up and gave Barton and the city of Wilson this big jolt of hope and faith and all this stuff. And he was a native of Wilson, so he's a hometown hero. And so that was amazing. And um, and then there's this whole other story behind it all that just, you know, seemed right for the picking for an over-eager 21-year-old college senior who was just, you know, kind of in panic mode about trying to figure out what to do with his life. Um, and so I just started working on a book about it. And, um, you know, Anthony has an incredibly compelling personal narrative. And, um, you know, Barton's basketball team has an incredibly compelling narrative over the course of that championship season. Uh, Barton is not ever a championship contender, even in Division Two, And um, Anthony really elevated them to that. And they almost got to the championship the year before, and they were eliminated by this team that they beat the next year. So there's all these crazy elements that, you know, I didn't know how to make a story of that size work at that time. Uh, you know, so I just kind of threw myself into it, and it became a, a book that, you know, it's – I'm still proud of it now, which, you know, is I, I wasn't sure if I would be five, six years down the road. But, you know, I pick it up from time to time. And, yeah, there's stuff I'd like to change. But, yeah, it's it turned out OK. So, yeah. You had um, you ended up publishing kind of starting your own publishing house, right, to, to get it out there because it, yeah. kind of, the original deal fell through. Yeah, that was crazy. That was just insanity. Um, yeah, just I had a you know small regional publishing company that, you know, was going to publish it. And then they didn't want to because they ran into all these, the story I was told is, you know, the economy. It was when the economy was bad and they were apparently, you know, I didn't ask a lot of questions because I was just upset when I found out it wasn't going to work out. I just didn't want to know, oh, we just don't like you and or your book. I just didn't want to know one or the other. Uh, so I was just, all right, I didn't ask too many questions, just moved on. And we started looking at self-publishing options because, you know, we I probably could have found another small traditional house to publish it around here, but it would have taken forever. And I sort of looked at this book as, oh, this is what I can use to sell myself to magazines and, and whoever, you know, it's just this perfect piece. And that was really inspired by Chris Jones. I emailed with him a few times and saw his story about how that's how he got in with Esquire. And so he had written this boxing book when he was a, when he was a young writer. And so I was just obsessed. I was a single-minded, just obsessed 
kid. And I was like, this book has to happen. And for whatever reason, my wife went along with it. She's the brains behind the whole operation. I'm just the idiot, just this whirlwind of chaos that's trying to make a story into something people can actually pick up and read. And so we, yeah, long story short, we looked at self-publishing options and just none of them made business sense. And so we, you know, just kind of formed our own little company and invested a few thousand of our own dollars in it. And my wife designed the whole thing and uh, she really helped make sure all the business stuff was in place. And we just put out some copies and it ended up doing okay in North Carolina. So it was just crazy. Uh, I had some people I knew and trusted to edit it for me and yeah, it, it worked out somehow. I still don't fully understand how, but it did. Did you, was there anything you learned in that process, maybe even about writing, uh, when it comes to, uh, kind of starting an, like a company like that, that would publish a book? Yeah, it really, it was really useful. I think just to see what, I mean, what all the publishing process is just, it's so ridiculously complex. You wouldn't think it just by, Oh, it's a book, you know, how hard can that be? But once you get into all the nitty gritty details, it's, you kind of realize why publishers are so picky sometimes about the books they pick and uh and you know on down from book publishers to magazine editors and that sort of thing so it, uh, it humbled me a lot which i needed um you know i've needed a lot more over the few years since then but it, it's yeah it taught me yeah basically just that this is a real business you have to have something people will want to either pay for or spend time enough with to make it worth the advertisers money and that sort of thing so yeah it just basically just helped me understand that it was a business. What, uh, when it comes to looking for, for stories or books or, or whatever to work on, what, what, what do you look for in, in the story? Uh, it, it used to be, I just, if it was a good story, I would just go into again, manic obsessive mode and oh, this is a great story. How can I get it out to the world? Now it's a little bit more mature, I think, in that it's just, all right, I think this can be a great story. Is this something that, you know, other people will get something out of and or be entertained by or, you know, something like that. Just something that will resonate with people for one reason or another. Um, it's hard to be more specific than that. Uh, but, yeah, that's kind of it. And, and you you blog quite a bit. You have a really active blog and, and, and a social media presence. Um uh, what like uh, I, I see you're constantly asking questions about what people think about various things. Are, are you trying to maybe find a possible story idea when you do that? I actually no. It's just an honest. I don't feel like I know what I'm doing half the time. So I'm hoping other people can fill me in. Um, so then you talk about the blog being active. It's slacked off a lot lately because just been busy. once you have a kid, man, your life just the time you have condenses just crazily um but yeah no it's just just learning like, i just feel like i'm very much in learning mode still and i'm just trying to just soak up as much as i can right now i guess are you working on anything right now that you can talk about or is it all kind of waiting to see what's going to happen with pitches and that type of stuff um yeah there's a lot of stuff i'm waiting to hear on uh there's one book idea i'm super excited about but it, i haven't sold the proposal yet so i don't i probably be not smart to talk about that <laughs> there is one story i'm working on though for sb nation i'm really excited about i think would be okay to talk about um it might even be out by the time this comes out i'm not sure it's about um, a guy named Cos Marte. he used to be a drug kingpin up in new york city making two million a year by like age 19 uh got busted at 24 uh well he got busted at 19 or 20 and then went away for a few years and then came back out and got busted again and 
Um, and when he was in prison, he was really overweight. The doctors told him he was going to die in five years. And then he, because he was just so overweight, uh, blood pressure, cholesterol through the roof, all that. And so he's in prison. He develops this whole workout routine he can do in his cell. And he's now turning that into a fitness business that's actually uh, on the verge of really exploding. He's got some investment money on the way from uh, Barbara Corcoran, who's known for Shark Tank. Uh, but she also is involved with another organization that, is where she discovered uh, costs and so she's invested a decent bit of money in him and um, once that comes through he's been building this for the last two years just while working a nine-to-five so he doesn't sleep much um, but he's yeah it's and he's a very I went up and spent a couple days with him in New York and he's a remarkable guy like you know I just didn't know what to expect but he's just very honest about what he used to do and how he realized it was not the best thing to do and the way that all came about. And it was basically just a story about he was just in this, similar in some ways to behind the drive, actually. Now that I think about it, he was just this maniac wanting to build all this wealth and stuff because he came from nothing. And then he didn't even realize he was just really messing up a lot of people's lives. And now he's realized that and he's trying to basically get rich except the legal way. So, yeah. Awesome. Well, I'll be looking forward to that. Mm -hmm. uh, Brandon, thanks so much for joining us. Yeah, thanks for having me. This was a lot of fun. Appreciate it. I've been talking with Brandon Sneed. Sneed wrote the book Behind the Drive, a story of passion, dreams, demons, and Highway 55, the world's next favorite burger joint. You can find links to the book and other stories Sneed has written at gangrythepodcast.com. Stay up to date with the podcast by following us on Twitter at gangrypodcast. That's at G-A-N-G-R-E-Y-P-O-D-C-A-S-T. You can download Gangry the podcast on iTunes for free. Just go to the iTunes store and search Gangry. That's G-A-N-G-R-E-Y. Gangry the podcast is available on Stitcher Radio On Demand. Stitcher is an award-winning free mobile app that lets you listen to all your favorite shows on demand. Don't have Stitcher? Download it free today at Stitcher.com or in the app stores. Gangry the podcast is produced in the studios of WRDL 88.9 at Ashland University and is supported by the Department of Journalism and Digital Media. Our intro music comes from Noah Heyman. Technical help was offered by Steve Cease. This episode was produced, edited, and hosted by yours truly. I'm Matt Tullis. Thanks for joining us.